Hello, and welcome to the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I have Claire Jones with us today, and we are going to talk about sustainable schedules, what the heck that is, how our brain works with that, and how we can create a lifestyle and create a calendar that we can actually sustain that's based in science. And so, Claire, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So happy to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your business, and how you serve people. Yeah, totally. So I call myself a small business consultant and strategist. So I help people strategize better, you know, get to that next level in their business and scale up and grow in a sustainable way without burning out in the process because that's important. Yeah. That's important, you know, and I come from that from personal experience. I've burnt out way too many times. <laughs> and I hope to help other people avoid that scenario. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I know that you recently launched a podcast. And I, congratulations, by the way, yeah, Thank you. as thank someone you. who has a podcast, that's a very big deal. <laughs> and yeah. it's called Balanced Business Leaders, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the podcast. Who's your audience, you know, and is your audience that you have for your podcast, the target for who you're wanting to serve as well? Yeah, totally. Totally. So I started the podcast because I wanted to tell my story particularly when it comes to the many, many different lessons that I've learned over the years. Because I've been working with small businesses for 15 years for my entire career. And so I have a lot of stories under my belt when it comes to the blood, sweat, and tears that comes to you know running, growing, founding, developing, scaling small businesses. And I chose the podcast in particular because I know that that's a popular platform nowadays. And it's definitely the same target market that I work with in my clients with one-on-one work. And I just wanted to have broader exposure for my message and bring people more into the fold because different people consume different media in different ways. Yes, you know? absolutely. And so for example, I'm, I'm actually a bad podcaster <laughs> <laughs> because I will create podcasts. I will be podcast guests, but I actually don't listen to podcasts myself. Because I am a completely 100% visual learner. And so I have to have visuals alongside with whatever I'm consuming. And if it's just auditory, it goes in one ear and out the other. Yes. <laughs> but I know that not everyone's like that. You know, some people are auditory learners, some people are visual learners, some people are touch kinesthetic learners. And so I want to have my message accessible to those different learners. Well, hopefully you're doing what we're doing, which is exploring or just exploring and dabbling and yeah. putting the podcast visual on YouTube. And, you know, as we release the uh, the audio section of things, we're also releasing the visual portion to YouTube mm -hmm. so that maybe there are other people who are like you and who can yeah. find you there. So yeah. if yeah. you're not, you should do that because... Yeah, I do do that. Okay. Uh, all up on YouTube. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. What's your... How do it is to Claire Jones? Is that how they find you on YouTube? No, it's Liminal Clarity. The name Liminal of Liminal Clarity. Okay. Perfect. Well, let's dive right into sustainable system or excuse me, sustainable schedules. I know that you do have a three pillar system that you use with your clients and then it starts with sustainable schedules. 
But within sustainable schedules, I know that you have multiple steps that go with that. So let's talk about step number one. Let's go from the top and let's see what this looks like because I'm fascinated because my schedule is a hot mess and it's all (laughs) over the place. I make it work every week. It ends up working. But if there was a better way to make it work, I can think that that would be preferable for not just myself, but for other people. So tell me a little bit about the science behind it and how you get started. Yeah, totally. So I always start with a healthy mind platter as step number one. And that is a framework that was developed by the Neuro Leadership Institute. And they've done decades of neuroscientific research, fMRI studies, psychological studies, stuff like that. And they've determined that there are seven areas of your life, like time allotment areas, that should be prioritized and balanced to achieve optimal brain functioning. So you're basically using your day-to-day activities, your week-to-week activities to nurture your brain's needs, essentially. Mm -hmm to make sure that it's getting what it needs to get in order to perform optimally. And so those areas are divided into three categories. Number one is social needs. And so that's connecting time and play time. And then that goes to physical needs, which are physical time and sleep time. And then cognitive needs, which is downtime, time in, and focus time. And so those seven areas should be scheduled in your calendar in some shape or form. There's different recommendations for like time allotment throughout the week. Right. There's also a really easy way to combine the activities as well. And that's something that I'm a huge advocate for because I don't want you to schedule seven new blocks of time in your already overloaded week. (laughs) Yes. So like, for example, if you're combining connecting time and play time, you could have a board game night with friends. Oh, that's a good one. You know, or if you're connecting playtime and physical time, you could have a soccer game with friends. There you go. So there's ways to combine them and still get the benefits that you're looking for. But the point is, is just intentionally scheduling this into your week so that you are feeding your brain the things that it needs to perform optimally. How do you find that that's changed since COVID? Since we can't, I mean, obviously board games and soccer is like a little bit off this off the unless it's like somebody in your family who just coincidentally also enjoys board games and soccer how do you find that that has changed and are people still able to find this balance you know with the new climate that we're in yeah yeah I think you just have to be a little more creative you know like I've done board game nights online with friends during the pandemic And, you know, one of my go-to playtime activities is actually playing with my dog in the yard. Oh, yeah. So it's not like I have to see people for that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, and another playtime activity that I use myself is art time. Like I'm a huge creative. And so art is playtime to me. And so there are ways, but the hardest for me during the pandemic is actually physical time because the gym is closed currently. And so that's one that I've actually struggled with a lot during the pandemic. And so I've been trying to like incorporate walks in the neighborhood instead of going to the gym. And I have like 10 pounder weights at home that I like throw around every now and then. (laughs) But that's, that's definitely been a challenge. So you just kind of have to be creative with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, and it's, and I think that would be hard for someone like myself who, I mean, I know that I have this like svelte figure, so it's hard to tell, but I'm not a gym rat. And so 
you know, like finding the the physical time for somebody who is not as into, you know, exercise, which we all need. And it's like a known thing that we need that. But, you know, finding things that we can do, you know, maybe it's stretching or, you know, maybe it's something like along that lines, because that feels really good. And, you know, like, I yeah. think it's very accessible, you know, yoga or stretching or those types of things, very accessible, even to people who don't like to do like the whole CrossFit type thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, one of my favorites is dancing. Oh, that's true. You can just you turn know? it on, like do like Christina and Meredith on Grey's Anatomy and dance it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love dancing. I actually had a little dance party this past Saturday by myself with my Spotify. I love and- it. You know, I just dance around my apartment and get down and no one's watching. So I don't have no. to worry about how stupid I yeah, look. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. That's oh, a great yeah. idea. That's a great yeah, idea. And if you want to bump it up a bit, I actually have leg weights that I put on sometimes when I am dancing around just to make it a little more cardio focused. But yeah. if you're just dancing, you know, there's, there's all well, kinds and of that's kind of like, that's the physical and the play, you know, yeah, I mean? exactly. because your brain is engaging in both ways you know what I mean like you're in your endorphins are going you're like having fun you're like really thinking that's that's a good idea that's a really good idea so what would be like the next step in the process once you've kind of looked at like how can I incorporate some of these things into my schedule what would be the next step in the process yeah so step number two is a concept that I call flexible time blocking So we were talking about this before we jumped on, but how do you make your schedule so that it's flexible enough to move when shit happens? (laughs) Totally. Things always change on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis. Yes. You know, things always pop up. There's fires. You get in a car accident. Your kid breaks their leg. You know, stuff happens. Yep. And so I find that traditional time-blocking techniques leave a lot to be desired because of that. And they also leave a lot to be desired because they focus on categories of tasks rather than specific tasks. And so for flexible time blocking, I'm a huge advocate for blocking out time for specific tasks in your calendar. And then it's flexible because then you can move those tasks around. Yeah. So if you do have a time-sensitive meeting that comes up or you get in a car wreck or you know something happens you can still move that task around in your schedule to a free space and still get that task done, but it doesn't fall through the cracks. Because that's what I find when we're dealing with traditional time blocking is that A, you don't really know what to work on during that category. You know, like you spend a lot of time at the beginning of that time block deciding what you're actually working on. And that is a time waste, in my opinion. Then you don't really have that much flexibility either when it comes to moving those big blocks of time around. It's much easier to move a half hour or hour block around than it is to move a five hour, three hour block around. You know, what's really interesting to me is, so we use a project management software, which I'm a big proponent of for anyone. And if you're just by yourself, I think that you should use a project management software, which there are tons for free. If you're like, I don't want to pay for that, but I do pay for mine. I use monday.com and I love it. And for my assistants, because I do have a team, I actually will block out a week's worth of tasks and I don't block out which day they need to do it. I just say, this is what needs to be done this week. Mm -hmm. And so they have their like expectations of what's going to be done. And then they mark it as done as they go along. And then, but I don't do that for 
for myself. Mm. I have mine scheduled by categories. Mm. And, and so it might be interesting to see what it would look like if I switched things around and said, like, this is like did basically what I do for them and said, like, this is what needs to be done this week, including like maybe not even using the calendar, but including saying like having the lines of like playtime of like how many times I need to have playtime, how many times I need to have this and then marking them as done as they're, you know, as they're completed. And then just seeing how that works, like just as an experiment to see how that works for me and then doing it like, how, like, what did I get done this week? What did I mm-hmm. not get done this week? And having it instead of, because I think I can get caught up in the calendar portion of things. Sure. And, and I know I'm not the only one that is that way. Yeah. I do live and die by my calendar. Like I yeah. don't know what I'm doing from day to day. So the first thing that I look at in the morning, some people it's Facebook, some people it's their email. For me, the very first thing I look at every single day is my calendar. Yeah. Um, because I'm like, okay, where am I at? What time? And it's the last thing I look at too. Like what time is my first meeting? What time is my, you know, like who do I need to prep for? What do I need to prep for? And then in the morning, it's a reminder. Okay, this is what you're doing today. This is what you've got going on. And so maybe leaving that as the way that since that that kind of works for me, but like having the specific tasks be like carry that over and doing it in a way that's a little bit more similar to what I do for other people, but giving myself that structure that you're putting in a sustainable schedule. I'm, I mean, I'm a big like to-do list person. So it kind of appeals to me, but it's an interesting concept to think about utilizing a project management software in that way. Those are like, I'm a geeky person. Like my degree is administrative management and information technology. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people like, don't ask me to fix your computer because that's not the kind of IT that I yeah, do. Sure. But I do have a background in really utilizing tools to help you run your, you know, the, with the administrative management side of things. And so you just gave me like a really cool, like experiment to try and see how that like works. Like maybe next week I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That Please sounds do. like a really cool, like just a cool way to say like, you know, in terms of like, how many reach outs did you do? Like, how many times did you, you know, how many, like, it's, it's another way to, to track your KPIs, you know, like how many reach outs did you do? Did you check in with your team? Did you, you know, like, did you do creative time? Like something that's creative for me, we don't have a social media manager at our business anymore, which I used to have. And so I've been using template and creating things in Canva and Mm -hmm. like, and that surprisingly has been like art for me. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. just creating things that I'm going to share with, you know, with the audience and that, you know, that follows me on social media. So that's a cool, that's a really cool concept of being able to block it in the time. Like with some people that's going to be really the ticket is like locking it in the schedule and saying, this is what's supposed to be done in the schedule and or blocking it in your project management software and saying, this is what has to be done this week, including those really essential foundational pieces that we need to be able to do that. So I love that. I love that. And I find that doing task specific blocks also holds you more accountable. Yes. Because if you are doing a categorical task, like, you know, say you have a block for marketing, 
You know, you can tell yourself that you're being productive because you're doing marketing things during that time, but you're not doing the specific marketing tasks that are going to move your business forward. Right. So it's a great way to procrastinate by being productive in ways that aren't actually producing the results you want. Right. So it makes you a lot more accountable. Like you said, with tracking your KPIs, one of the biggest marketing metrics that I track is how many one-to-one conversations am I having every week? And it can be a networking coffee. It can be a intro call. It can be a sales call. It doesn't matter. But that's what contributes directly to my sales numbers for that I month. love that. Yeah, absolutely. And so as long as I'm doing at least three every week, I can assert that I'm going to meet my sales goals for that month. I love that. I love that. I'm also writing it down because I <laughs> because the thing too is like with KPIs, because I mean, you and I have, they're completely separate industries. But sometimes it's hard to know, like, what's the metric? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, where do you start? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do I know what my goal? Do I just throw a dart at a board and say like, my, my goal is, you know, three one-to-ones or five one-to-ones or two one-to-ones or 15 one-to-ones or whatever it might be. But it's kind of cool to like hear what other people's KPIs are. Yeah, I actually reverse engineered it because I had a really good sales month. This was like a year ago. And I was like, all right, what did I do during leading up to that month that contributed to the really good sales month? Oh, that's great. And that's when I figured out that if I do at least three one-to-ones every week, it will lead to a good sales month for me. That's awesome. Best. I'm I'm writing it down. (laughs) You guys, the thing is, this is live. Like I'm getting value out of what Claire is saying. And, you know, and so you might want to take notes too. I'm just saying I'm going to take notes (laughs) because take the free coaching guys. This is, you know, I'm sure that if you wanted to have a little chat with Claire to see if it would be a good fit to work with her, I'm sure that's something that we'll have in the show notes in terms of, you know, seeing if working with Claire is something for you. But, you know, I just think that that's, that's a great way to really see what is personal for you. You know what I mean? Like what works for you instead of the dartboard. Yeah. Yeah. So what, tell me what the next step in sustainable schedules is. Yeah. So step number three is now we're getting into self-regulation. So I have self-regulation as step number three because your emotional experience of your schedule is going to impact how tightly you keep to it. Yes. (laughs) Because, you know, you often get to a task in your calendar and you're like, I don't feel like doing this. Right. Right. That's everybody. We all have everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And so now that we have our healthy mind platter and our flexible time blocking set up, what do we do to help keep ourselves accountable to it? Right. And it's self-regulation techniques. And so this also comes from the neuroleadership research that I've incorporated into my work. And there are five different ways that you can regulate your emotions. Number one is situation selection. So that's when you select the situation that you're in and specifically select the situation that gives you the emotions that you want in that situation. And then there's situation modification. So if you're stuck in a situation that you can't select out of, then you can modify it to then produce the emotions that you want. And then there's attentional focus. 
And so that means that you're specifically focusing on one aspect or a couple aspects of the situation instead of the ones that are producing the bad emotions that you don't want to have. And then there's reappraisal. And this is actually the most successful out of all of the self-regulation strategies. And so this is when you reframe or reappraise your emotional experience. So choosing to view something as a reward instead of a punishment. This happens a lot with exercising for the physical time. Yeah. Like you focus more on the positive rewards of exercising rather than the negative experience of exercising. And it's the actual, it's the most successful in the long run because you are addressing your emotions and choosing to reframe them in a way that benefits you and helps you stay more accountable. And then the last one is response modulation. And this is actually the most harmful out of the strategies. And it's when you choose to ignore your own emotions and instead project a different emotion. So you're either putting on a fake smile and pretending right. like you're enjoying it, or you know, you're suppressing your negative emotions. You know, that actually has a lot of significant impact on your cardiovascular health. Oh, yeah. And so if you are repressing or artificially enhancing your emotions in order to cope with the situation, it's actually going to be more damaging in the long run physiologically than it is to reappraise the emotions or select the situation or modify the situation. Or right. the ones. What do you see for reappraisal? Like for your, for your business clients, what are like, aside from exercise, what in the business are people that you see over and over again that those tasks are ones that they hate doing, that they don't want to do? And what are some of the most successful reappraisal tech, you know, techniques or things that they're doing totally. that are helping them get over that so that they yeah. can move forward and get past that? Because totally. they're, we're dynamic. And even if we have a team, there are things that we don't like. I mean, it's great. And I will say that like for me, when I'm like, I'll just use a real life example. This week I'm switching to acuity scheduling software Mm -hmm. and there's a lot that goes into setting things up. And I didn't, I kind of underestimated how much was involved in setting it up. And so I started the process and I got a little frustrated and then I was like, oh shit, I don't have to actually do this. I have an assistant and I like messaged my assistant. I was like, have you ever, she has a lot of experience. And so I was like, have you ever worked with a cutie? She's like, oh yeah, totally. And I was like, can you do this setup for me? And she's like, yeah, send it on over. And I was like, hallelujah. So, I mean, like there's times like that where I can reappraise and I can say like, I can give this or hire out or whatever, those types of things. But there are other things where like, I'm really literally the only person that can do that thing. So what are some of the scenarios that people find um, that your clients are finding that are things that they can only do and how are they moving past the, yeah. the, you know, the negative emotions of yeah. having to, you know, because you just want to procrastinate or make it yeah. go away, but you have to get it done. You know what I mean? So what are some of those scenarios that you're seeing with people? Yeah, I often see it in the marketing strategies. So one way that I see it is like content creation. And then another way that I see it is follow-up. And so when it comes to content creation, this is actually one of my personal obstacles that I face on a weekly basis is that I have content creation blocked out every Wednesday and Friday morning. And I often sit down and don't feel like doing it. Right, exactly. (laughs) 
So I have to sit there and like reappraise my emotions about it and be like, all right, so what am I trying to do with this task? What is the ultimate goal with the task? What is the purpose of this task? And that helps me reappraise my emotional approach to it because then I can find the value of the task in the point of it. And so that's one way that I do it. But I also see it come to people when it comes to following up. So when it comes to marketing strategies, you need to follow up multiple times in order to engage people in your products and services and engage in that relationship. But a lot of people feel like they're being annoying by continually reaching out to people or following up with people. And there's often a reappraisal that needs to happen is like, all right, what is the purpose of this? How does it fit into my overall strategies? And do they actually think that I'm being annoying in the first place? Right. You know, because nine times out of 10, I find people thank me for following up. Yes. Yeah, I teach that in client re-engagement because that's a big obstacle that people are like, I don't... Well, number one, they're embarrassed. Like if it's been too long, they're embarrassed. Like, especially if it's an existing client, they're embarrassed and they're saying like, especially I have clients that it's been years. Yeah. yeah. They've reached out to that person and they think that that person is going to want to sell them, that that you are going to want to sell them something. Yeah. And so they're going to, they think that that person is not going to want to talk to you because they assume that you want to sell them something. Yes. So the way that I have um, reframed that for people is say like, you need to reframe your own mindset because maybe you're approaching it that way because you do want to sell them something. Yes. And then they can sense, it's like, I call it commission breath. Yeah. Like yeah. they yeah. sense it on you. So yeah. reframe it in a service mindset. How yeah. can you serve them? So then you say, you call and you say, Bob, hey, it's Raya. I want to tell you first and foremost, I am so sorry. I have thought so many times to give you a call. And I, it just like, I end up like, for whatever reason, it slips my mind. And I just look, and it's been two years since we've talked. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, hi, like, how yeah. are you? Like, yeah. how are things like, how's Linda? Like, you know, how, you know, how have you guys been doing with this whole pandemic? And is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. And like really reframing things. And it, if it's like a follow-up, not in that case, like if it's a follow-up of a prospect that you do yeah. want to move down the pipeline, just say like, you know, I'm just reaching out to you to say, like, I know that we talked three weeks ago, so much can happen in three weeks. I am just checking. I'm just, I, I love the phrase I'm circling back. Mm-hmm. Like I was going through my follow-ups and I'm circling back because I realized it's been three weeks since we've talked. Like, how are you? How are things? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if they don't respond or if you, if they do respond, just say like, oh, things are fine or whatever. Perfect. No problem. Yeah. I'll follow up with you. Like I'll touch base with you in like six weeks. Is that yeah. okay with you? And yeah. then like you're establishing that you're going to follow up with them and then yeah. you do it. Yeah. Like you yeah. hold yourself to it. You set a task reminder. And then the first thing out of your mouth should be as promised. Mm -hmm. I'm following up with you because it's been six weeks and I just wanted to say, Hey, how's it going? Like what's happened in the last six weeks? How are you doing? And you're establishing and you have to go like the work is inner. It's inner work first. You have to go with the service mindset because maybe they aren't your clients, but maybe they know your clients. Yeah. hundred percent. And so if you go with a sales mindset, 
wrong, 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 wrong. Yeah. But if you yeah. follow up with the service mindset, it feels better. It relieves yes. the pressure. Yes. You don't have to make the sale. You're literally just checking in on somebody, another human being, and just saying like, hey, hi, yeah. how are you? Is there anything I can do for you? Because I have these unique skills. Like, do you need to connect with anyone? Like, do you, because I know an amazing business coach, you know, who, and strategist named Claire, she's awesome. She, she would be somebody who might be helpful for you. Like, you know, whatever it might be, yeah. um, but remove the negative from your mindset and go in with it. Like you're offering a cup of sugar to your neighbor Yes, 100%. And, or you're, you're offering to pick up groceries for the elderly lady across the street. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. going with that heart and that mindset, it doesn't feel icky. Yeah. It doesn't feel, but if you go into it, like, I have to do follow up on all these people I yeah. need, because I need sales and I need this. And if you go and you know that the sales will come from doing these types of activities, then it relieves that pressure. So thank you so much for saying follow up because I think I wouldn't have thought of it in that context, but that's something that I do. And I believe so strongly in because I think that people go into it thinking that they have to make sales. Yes. And that's like just the wrong, the yeah. wrong mindset. It's yes. about service, really, yeah. really about service. Yeah, I actually turn to use the term relationship mindsets instead of service mindset. Oh, I love that. Because you're just building relationships. Yes. Businesses are built on relationships. Yeah. So the phrase it takes a village applies to every aspect of life. Yes. You know, and I am continually amazed by the people who just don't can discontinue talking to someone because it didn't result in a sale. And I'm like, that's when you're looking as at your business relationships as sales numbers. Yes. And that makes it so impersonal. It makes it so like, and then you feel impersonal. The people that you're talking to feels impersonal. And I actually just have it scheduled into my flexible time blocking calendar. Yeah. So every week I send out my client check-ins. Every two weeks, I send out my follow-up check-ins. I Every love that. Quarter, I send out my database check-ins. And so it's just a task on my calendar that past Claire already decided was important. Right. So exactly. present Claire just does the thing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, is there are there any other steps to yeah, yeah, tell me. Two more. Number four is delegation. So that's know, that's we, my favorite. Yeah. So that's when we move into now that you have a good idea of what your schedule looks like and what your emotional experience of your schedule is, then you can start deciding what actually needs to be on my plate and what can be offloaded. So going back to your example with acuity, yeah, you, know, you got to the emotional part of being like, this is not the emotional experience I want to have with this situation. Do I actually need to deal with it? Yeah, there is no. <laughs> yes, I do know. So that's what's actually going to make your schedule more sustainable as well. Because we all have our own personal limits. We have our time limits. We have our energetic limits. We have our emotional limits, our physical limits. You know, some people can't sit in an office for eight hours a day. Right, exactly. You know, and so what are your limits and how can you still strategize and move forward and get everything you need to get done, but by tapping into other people to help with that. Because yes. again, it takes a village. 
Yes, it does. It really does. And I think there's something to be said about, you know, when we're doing VA matchmaking, we're always looking for somebody who has complementary skills and personality because there's something to be said about having a duality of like, you know, they can do the same thing because you, because then there's the clone myself, like the extra set of hands on what you already know how to do. But there's also an element where I like to look at people who have maybe additional skills that you don't have, because then you're like, I'm reaching, you know, like this is something where I would have to hire it out. But if you have that person on your team, you don't have to hire it out. And so you can find like this particular person who did the acuity for me. She also helps me with my reach outs like on LinkedIn. And she helps me, you know, with, you know, my prospecting and other things that I totally know how to do, but I am one person. And so I, you know, have her reach out with my words with me and I do the follow up and everything like that, but she can do it as me because it is my words and exactly what I would type into the computer and, and do things that are similar to what I do. But then she can also do things where like the acuity thing, like I could have done that, but it would take me three times as long to do that, figure that out where she's done it before. And it took her like maybe an hour to like an, an hour with special instructions because I got feedback from somebody who went through the process and they're like, actually your email sequence is annoying. And I was like, thank you so much for telling me that because I will fix it. You know what I mean? Like I would not have known if they had not told me that, you know? So yeah, that's so, that's so good. And delegation is a hard topic because sometimes you don't know what you can delegate. Yeah. And I always tell people to sit with a piece of paper, an iPad, a journal, whatever it might be, you know, an Excel spreadsheet and literally not categorize, but inventory, Mm. everything that they do. If it's multi-steps, then inventory those as a task by itself, each step. Yeah. Because sometimes even a multi-step task, you can delegate a portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then say like, this is a just me. Like I'm really the only thing, but be honest. Yeah. If it's yeah. a just me. Yeah. If sometimes you think it's a just me. Yeah. You could train somebody else to do the just me task. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, like, I really hate this thing. I really dislike this thing. I always procrastinate this thing. You know, this is something I love to do, but I can't do enough of it because I run out of time. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. starting to break down that delegation in that way. Where you can start to see what a job description might look like or, you know, or like, you know, what SOPs you need, you know, like standard operating procedures you need to be able to, you know, prepare for when that person comes in to help you. Because ideally, as business women, we're going to get to a point where we can no longer be a solopreneur. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the only way to scale. That's yeah, the only exactly. way to get out of having a job. Yeah. Because you're not a business owner, you're an employee if you yeah. are doing everything in your business. Yes. And so the only way that you can become a business owner or a CEO or you know, whatever professional management term you want to use, yep. you have to delegate things. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you, that doesn't mean you're giving it up completely. I mean, you have to oversee to make sure that that's being done the way that you want it to be done. And it has to reflect 
your values, your brand, your company, the way that it's done. And, and also you need to be mindful of hiring people who reflect that, you know, reflect who you are as a person because they represent you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think there's an element too, that we should discuss in a delegation. And I've done this even just recently and that's hiring contractors. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have, we're in a group together called F-Bomb Breakfast Club. And there's somebody in our group named Wendy Kramer. And she has a business called Cedar and Holly. And I just engaged her in a retainer because she's a WordPress queen. Guess mm. what? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a yeah. WordPress queen. Like, yeah. but I need things and, or I want things for my website to represent me. But I, but why would I try to figure it all out or train my VA to figure it all out or spend time training my VA to figure it all out when they could do what they do well and I can hire somebody who very efficiently with their time can just get it done and probably do it in a way that I had no imagination was possible, which yeah. happened. Yeah. I hired her to, um, to for my podcast page. And now my podcast page which if you haven't seen it, please check it out. Um, (laughs) It is beautiful and it's fascinating to me. And so independent contractors is another way, you know, most of us aren't bookkeepers by trade, unless you own a bookkeeping business and then you need to hire something else out. But, you know, like bookkeeping is probably one of the first things that we should as business women be hiring out to somebody else because we need to know our numbers. We need to know where we're at with our business. But, you know, if, you know, if you are not like exceptionally skilled in that department, then a good independent contractor is really the way to go. So thinking about delegation in not just growing and scaling your team, but engaging other contractors who are more efficient at those tasks is a really important way to, you know, sort of round out how you are um, operating at your higher self. I always say that delegation techniques and methods apply to everyone in your life. Yes. They apply to your kids. They apply to your cousins. They apply to your photographers. They apply to your bookkeepers. They apply to your lawyers, your CPAs. You know, these people might not be your employees, but delegating can even be just telling your cousins to bring the mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving. True. That's delegating. You know, and when we're looking at the healthy mind platter, you know, what tasks do you need to delegate personally? Do you need to delegate your house cleaning? Do you need to delegate your yard management? Do you need to delegate your kid care, your your child care? Do you need to delegate your dog walks? Yeah. You know, what are the things that aren't in your zone of genius? And what are the things that other people can perform better than you? Yes. And get those things done. It doesn't have to be full-time employees. I call team members on people's businesses includes part-time, full-time, and subcontractors. Because most people can't afford to do full-time employees or even part-time employees. Right. So how can you still get those needs addressed, but with resource management in mind? It's almost like if we were to look at it from a healthcare perspective, your care team. Yeah. Like you may have a doctor, you may have several specialists, you may have a massage therapist or PT, or you may have like your, your personal trainer. Like you may have all these different people that are working on keeping your body in optimal condition and, or, 
either preventing or treating diseases and ailments that you have. And that's that makes up your care team. But we don't think about creating a care team for ourselves as business um, owners. And yeah, so yeah. I love that you that you have that as well. That mm-hmm. is awesome. Mm-hmm. And that what you said was step four. Yeah, yeah. So step number five is actually coaching habits. And so this is how we're going to avoid micromanaging the people that we're delegating to. (laughs) Got it. it. Because micromanaging is going to fill up your calendar more, which is the opposite of what we're trying to do. (laughs) Double the work. Yeah, yeah. And so when I say coaching habits, I'm not talking about becoming a certified professional coach, you know, going through a coaching training. What I'm talking about is being more of a questioner with the people that you delegate to rather than a teller. Yeah. And so you're not just telling them what to do and you're not keeping them accountable yourself. You're coaching them so that they can tap into their own zones of genius, their own inner brilliances and get shit done in their unique skill sets with minimal involvement from you. Yes. You're being the leader. You're not being their manager. You're not being their caretaker. You're not being their nagging, you know, whatever you want to call it. But you are using questioning and reflection practices in a way that helps them figure out their own shit. You're not figuring out their shit for them. (laughs) Because again, that will overload your calendar even more. If yeah. you're constantly running around micromanaging everything that everyone else is doing, you're not freeing up time in your calendar to focus on what you need to focus on. And it kills morale, it kills yeah. productivity, it kills innovation, it kills creativity. So having these practices with delegation and coaching habits as a power team, you will impact your bottom line because everyone's going to be more efficient, more effective, more productive, more creative, more innovative in the things that they're doing. I love that. This is something that I found a really interesting aspect uh, culturally because my team is actually all my team is in the Philippines. And I work really well when someone gives me like a deadline and a task that I know how to do. And then that's it. Like, then I can like within that I've got like, I'm going over here and over here and everything that like works really well. And so when I was first a leader of a team, I tried to lead that way because Mm -hmm. I thought that was like honoring their ability to get it done in the way that they felt best. Mm -hmm. And what my team came back was like, actually, you're creating a lot of anxiety for us. Because we don't know until the end result if we're on track. And so what we need from you is we need some more specifics. Mm -hmm. We need you when you give us the task to say, not necessarily be on like on top of everything, but be more clear in, okay, this is, these are the milestones that I want you to hit. Yeah. I'm going to check in with you midpoint if we're on track. And then these are the ways that you are going to know that you're doing what I want you to do. And then having like a midpoint check-in on a longer term project and say, okay, show me what you got. All right. Yes, this, no, this, okay, this looks good. Yep. 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 Okay. Awesome. Perfect. Keep going. I love everything. I love it all, you know, and then they know that they're on track and that the end results, you know, they have the feedback before it's due that they know that they are on track and they're likely to have a happy result. And so, you know, what I've learned now is to say, you know, this is how I operate 
I recognize that not everybody operates that way. How do you operate? Like what feels good for you? Like, you know, how do you need, like what kind of feedback do you need? And the other thing that I do that is, that helps me not micromanage is I require daily report. And so I want an end of day report that says, this is what I did today. This is where if I, anything I got stuck. This is something that I wanted to do today that I didn't get done today. So that's on the top of the list for tomorrow. You know, like those types of communication, because then I'm not like, did they do anything? Like, you know what I mean? Or like have that temptation to really dive in. I can let them go and know that things are being done. And so that type of coaching has been something new for me, because again, like I'm just assuming that everyone's going to like feel good the way that I like to be coached when in all actuality, when you are new to it, you have to, you have to have a conversation with your team. And, and that like, again, this is not talking about independent contractors because those ones get to do whatever they want. You know what I mean? Like they have a job to do and they do it however they want. But if you have an employee or um, an outsourced employee, you need to have a conversation where you say, this is my like intention. And this is how I think I'm going to do it. But tell me how that makes you feel like, is that how you learn the best? Is that how you operate the best? If I did that, would that make you feel comfortable? Because I don't, I want to minimize the questions. Like, I don't want you coming back every five seconds. and, And like, because I'm hiring you to take things off my plate. I want you to feel good. I want you to feel empowered and I want to actually know what's what's happening and I want to minimize my temptation to micromanage you. And then in the end of the day, you know, like I, shit's got to get done. You know what I mean? So, and I want to know that it got done so that I can look at the end results and say, you know, yes, this is flawless or this is great, but there, but we need an, one more little step. You know what I mean? Like just one little thing to, to get it done. Yeah. And so I love, I love that fifth step. I think it's good. And I think it's good to recognize that people operate in different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's about having that collaborative conversation mm-hmm. and the relationship together where you can have that collaborative conversation because some people are going to be yes men. They're going to be like, yes, whatever. Yeah. Yes. But if you haven't built up that expectation, so like from the very beginning, having that conversation saying, I expect that you're going to be open with me about, you know, what, you know, like this is how I'm going to approach it. But is that okay with you? Like, is that going to give me the best result that I need from you? And if it's not, then let's talk about it. You know, let's let's have that conversation. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually one of the key steps of effective delegation techniques is the regular check-in. Yeah, yeah. You need to have regular check-ins with your delegated tasks, with your delegated projects to make sure that they're still on track. Yes. And that is key to making sure that everything goes along the line. And then, you know, with coaching habits, like you're checking in with them, like what was most useful for you in this conversation? What was the thing that helped you the most? Because then you're better prepared for future conversations with that person as well. Yeah. Because you know what they're motivated by, you know, what drives them, you know, what is useful to them. And so that improves your relationship over time as well. And it's like coming back full circle, we're talking about relationships here, mm-hmm. you know, and how you can use those to your advantage to be more efficient, be more productive, be more creative, be more innovative 
in the business that you're building and the life that you're building because it's all intertwined at the end of the day. Oh, 100%. 100%. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish that we had time to go over all three pillars, but that's something that people need to work with you about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just scratched the surface too. I know, I know. (laughs) But there's always two questions that I ask all of my to all of my podcast guests. And the first question is super important. And that is if someone, I mean, we covered so much material, but if somebody was to walk away from this conversation and they could only absorb one thing from this conversation about sustainable schedules, about breaking things down, about being really successful in the way that they look at everything that needs to be done and the time constraints in which it has to be done, what would it be that you want them to walk away with? Yeah, it's. I, I think it really boils down to task strategy. So making sure that your day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter tasks are connected to your overall goals. Yeah. It's an ever-evolving relationship. You need to address that on a continual basis because that's your own personal delegation techniques. You need to have check-ins with yourself on a regular basis in order to make sure that the tasks that you're doing on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis are aligning with your overall goals. And it's just being more strategic with your task management. I love that. A previous podcast guest, Elise Tager, she called she has like a blockout time on her schedule called CEO time. Yeah, and she too. used that for just what you just described, but also for really evaluating the KPIs. Yeah. And for growth planning. Yeah. And it's like just literally check in with me time. Yeah. Like how am I doing as a CEO? Like yeah, I, I call it strategy time and I have two hours per week scheduled. For yes. That. I love that. I love that. Well, the other question that I always ask, which gets us the most fun answer is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given that you've ever seen written or whatever that has really stuck with you become like a mantra or something that has been a guiding principle for you. And it can be anything at all. It does not have to Um, necessarily be related to what we talked about today? I'm going to have to say that it's imperfect action is always going to be better than perfect inaction. Oh, I love that. And because you're able to learn from the imperfect actions, you're still able to progress forward and tweak and pivot and adjust as needed. But if you wait for the perfect inaction, you're never actually going to get there because perfection doesn't exist. True. That is true. Wouldn't it so, be great if it did, but it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it'd be boring then, right? I guess that's true. <laughs> I am <laughs> living perfect little lives in a perfect yeah. little world. Yeah. Wives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like definitely step forward black wives. But yeah, imperfect action is always going to continually move you forward because even if it fails, you're going to learn something from the experience. Yes. You're going to grow from the experience. You're going to have valuable input. You're going to have valuable data to use to better inform you moving forward. So I'm always an advocate for imperfect action. Even if it ends up flopping, even if you end up, you know, creating a dumpster fire, (laughs) you know, you learn what not to do. 
Yes, that's so, so true. I love that. And I will take that with me too. I, I can think of, I'm already thinking of some examples of how that's happened for me and how that could happen in the future. And, you know, just being encouraged that there really doesn't need to be shame around that or bad feelings around that. It's like really where they say, it's cheesy to say there are no failures, there's only lessons, but in all actuality, like we really do become very impacted emotionally, but also we really do learn a lot yeah. when things don't work out the way that they're supposed to. And, uh, you know, and even, you know, my business is an example of like just going with it a little yeah. bit. Like, you know, like with this business started out with just me doing virtual assistant work for financial providers. So that is not what I do right now. And it doesn't look, I would never do that again. Those are like phenomenal human beings, but it's just not what I was brought to this earth to do. And so I think you have to make mistakes. You have to just keep putting one foot in front of the other and just keep going. And sometimes it's going to work out in your favor and sometimes it's not. And when it doesn't taking the moment to say like, wow, that's really embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like absolute dog shit right now, mm -hmm. but what did I learn? What did I learn? What do I never want to happen again? What good was in that situation? Where was the good in that situation? And if there was nothing good, then, okay, how can I flip this? How could this be a good situation? You know, yeah. this is the absolute dumpster fire. What do I want instead? Yeah, yeah. And like, what do I want to avoid? Yes. In the future. Yes. Like, I want to avoid putting myself in that situation again. Yeah. And that's a valuable lesson. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I really, really appreciate it. I definitely learned a lot. I'm excited to listen to your podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this second episode launched yesterday. Yay! That, you guys, for those who don't have a podcast, you do not understand what an amazing feat that is. And so I give you all the props on the planet. And we will share all of your social media um, connections as well as your podcast information in the show notes. So please, please connect with Claire. If you are called to talk to Claire about whether or not working with her is the right thing for you, I invite you to do that. And I hope that you learned as much as I did. I mean, literally, I took notes. So I'm just saying, <laughs> I think that it, it's something, there's a little tidbit for everybody in this podcast. So thank you again for joining us today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this has been another episode of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gonzalez. And thank you for joining us this week and every week. And we look forward to seeing you next time.